Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. My friend, Pastor Jacques Coach, Jacques Coach, that's my father's name, Jacques Noisette. <laughs> and um, he shared a message on fight, and I didn't even share with him what I was going to be sharing in September. But um, I'm really, really excited about this particular series because the Lord has been stirring in me the, the, the message of fighting the good fight of faith. And um, I feel like this is a time for your faith to be stretched. This is a time for your faith to really grow. And it's going to grow in the name of the Lord. I'm going to take my time today. I have a few things I want to share with you in the word. Please take good notes. Um, I condensed it as much as I could. But I just feel full, and I want to really share with you what the Lord has given me, um, and I want you to lock in on it, all right? And some of you, you, you kind of struggle with reading the Bible. You don't know what to read. Um, there's, there's an answer for that, and I, I hope to share that with you this month, uh, a Bible reading plan that I personally am, am doing. Um, some of you, maybe you like the app. I'm not sure, the Bible version app um, or you version app. Um, Personally, it doesn't do it for me, but if it does it for you, that's wonderful. But I want to encourage you to get into the Word of God more because it's going to really be important. I'm going to touch on that today. So somebody say fight. The good fight of faith. And as you see on the screen, faith, the fight you will always win. This is something I want you to really pay close attention to because it's true. Faith is the fight you will always win. Faith is the fight you will always win. This is why we're told to fight. You know, when you think about um, boxing, sometimes boxers take on fights or they don't take fights based on whether they believe they will win. So if a boxer feels outmatched, if he feels that he's not able to win, he won't take the fight. His trainer will say, he's not ready for this fight. We're going to fight someone else. You know, they'll kind of skirt around the issue because the trainer, the trainer's best interest should be the boxer. And if he feels that his fighter is not ready, he will tell him, you're not ready for this fight. You cannot fight this fight. But when God tells us to fight, it's an indication that he believes that you will win. When God tells you to fight, He's telling you, I have confidence that you're going to win this fight. There are no moral victories here. God is not interested in you fighting and then you get beat up, but at least you gave it a good try. No, that's not, that's not the kind of fight that God is into. God is into the fight where you win. He wants to see you win. Thank God. I, that's a revolutionary message for me personally, but I really embraced it that God wants to see me win. When I grew up in the faith, I used to think that, you know, God didn't really care if I won, just as so long as I made it to heaven. He didn't care if I was beaten up in life, if I was tattered and torn. He didn't care about how I lived my life, so long as I made it in, so long as I made it in. And then I realized that's not the truth. God cares about his children, and he wants them to win in life. And he wants them to fight. He wants them to fight the good fight. Somebody say fights. Come on, everybody say it loud. Say fights. First Timothy 6 verse 12 says fight the good fight of faith. So this is a good fight. There's some fights that are not worth fighting. There's some fights that are not worth getting into. But this is a fight 
the Bible describes as a good fight. First Timothy 6.12 says, fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So we're told to fight. And one of the things that I want to really underscore is how do you fight? You ever see someone who's fighting, maybe a little kid, and you don't want your kids to fight, you know, because that's just not nice. But if they're going to fight, <laughs> right? You, you've been that parent, right? You tell them, listen, I don't want you fighting. I really don't. I don't want you to get into anything. But I don't want you to get beat up either, right? And so... You, you try as a parent to prepare your kid for the eventual time where they're going to have to fight. There's a time, anybody had a fist fight before? Like, as a kid, right? And you, it could be very scary. It could be very daunting. You don't know how to handle that situation. Well, the scriptures tell you how to fight. Because God wants to see you win. He doesn't want to see you get beat up. He doesn't want to see you get tattered and torn by the enemy. He wants your faith to be intact. He wants you to be strong. And he wants you to win. So he teaches us how to fight. So here's the first thing he wants you to know. He wants you to understand, first and foremost, that the fight is for your faith. You have to understand why this fight has been brought to you. What's at stake here? The fight is for your faith. I'm going to be very clear about what I'm saying here. What's at stake when you are engaged in a fight, a spiritual battle? What's at stake is what you believe. That's what's being fought for. And I know people who've gone through things in life, and they don't know why they've gone through it. But in the end, the reason why they've gone through it is to put them in a position where they have to ask themselves this question, what do I believe? What do I really believe? I'm going to show you a few examples in scripture how people had a fight brought to them and what was what was brought to them was a decision they had to make. What do I actually believe? Is this worth it? Is this worth it? And many people who go through things, you don't realize it, but the enemy is trying to push you, not to a breaking point. He's trying to push you to stop believing something about God. The fight is about your faith. It's about what you actually believe. That's the purpose. Why am I in this battle? Why am I dealing with this? Why is this so tough? Why is this such a struggle? The struggle is to get you to believe something different than what God has revealed to you. That's the purpose of this fight. And if you don't recognize what's at stake, you're not going to fight with all diligence. 
you need to recognize what's at stake, your faith. First person I want to share with you is Eve. We know the story, Adam and Eve. God told Eve, God told Adam, do not eat of this tree, right? Check this out. Genesis 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning. Somebody say cunning. The serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said? That's how the fight starts. It's a question. Did God really say this? Did he really mean it? Is it still relevant? Did the Bible come from God? Did man write this? Are you interpreting it correctly? Is it still something you should follow? Is it relevant? Does it make sense? The battle is for your faith. It's to believe, it's to cause you to believe something different than what God has revealed to you. So whether you're going through, I know people who have walked away from the faith because they've gone through a very tough time, a real tough time that has brought them to a place where they've asked themselves, does God care? Does God care? I think of Martha who was serving like crazy while Jesus was in the, you know, in the living room, if you would, you know, teaching the word of God. Mary was at the feet of Jesus and she said, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you care that my sister has left me here to serve? I think about when Jesus was on the boat and the winds and waves were crashing on the boat and Jesus was sleeping. You ever felt like Jesus was still sleeping? You ever felt like you're going through something you feel like God is sleeping? Well, Jesus was literally sleeping. I know the Bible says he doesn't slumber or sleep, but this is Jesus, the incarnate God in the flesh. Jesus was really sleeping. They said, Master, don't you care? Another prior to that Jesus let's go to the other side he gave them a word but then they came to a different point of reference this doesn't make any sense we're now being crashed about uh, left and right with waves the boat is filling with water I know you said let us go to the other side but do you care the fight is for your faith the fight is for your faith should I wait for marriage to have sex Yeah, I know what the Bible says, but is it really true? And this is what the enemy said to Eve. Did God really say this? Is it relevant? Shouldn't the Bible evolve with time? Shouldn't it evolve? No, 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 no. God doesn't evolve. God doesn't have to evolve. He's everything he needs to be from the very beginning to the very end. We need to evolve and evolve around him. He's the one who is consistent. He's the one who doesn't change. He's the one that's the same from, from yesterday, today, and forevermore. And so a lot of times the question becomes, is this relevant? Is this what God said? Is this something that I still need to live by? I'm going through certain things. Is God really real? The faith battle is really a battle for your faith. So he says, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of, the, of, the, of, of every tree of the garden? You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And verse 4 
Because after the woman answers, the serpent says, yeah, we won't, you know, we shouldn't eat and yada, yada. Verse 4, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. So not only does he question what God said, what is he questioning? God's motive. Never been there before where you're questioning God's motive. God knows. God knows that if I do this, I'm going to really enjoy life. And he just doesn't want me to enjoy life. God really, God wants to test me here. God, God knows. God is making it difficult for me. God knows. And so the reality is, is that the question comes not only to question the word, but then also to question God's motive. Let's look at Job. You know the story of Job? Job lost everything. Lost his money, lost his houses, lost his kids, lost his health. Man, that's a reason for some people. That's a reason to walk away from God. Some people, they don't have to lose all that. They just lose a boyfriend. They, they, they're ready to doubt God. They're ready to doubt God. Job lost everything. Lost his house, houses, lost his children. Lost his money, lost his health, lost his friends, lost his dignity. Lost everything. And then a question was posed to him. This is what the fight is about. The fight is about getting you to believe something different. Job 2 verse 9. Then his wife said to him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? In other words, are you still believing God? Look at all this. You, he, he left you high and dry. You have nothing. You have no money. You have no health. You have no dignity. You have no houses. You have no children. You have no friends. And you're still holding on to your integrity? Curse God and die. God have mercy. That was, that was the faith test. So when you're going through something, when you're battling something, it's not just that battle that you're facing. The battle is there to change what you believe. It's there for you to have a different opinion. Let me give you somebody else. Anybody know Sarah? Not from our church. Sarah's blessed. Sarah in the Bible is blessed too, right? Genesis 18. Look at verse 12 to 14. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself. Why did she laugh? Because she heard the promise. She heard the promise that you're going to bear a son. His name is going to be Isaac. Sarah is like 90 years old right now. A lot of people would laugh at that right now, right? Some people are 40, and they, they, I ain't having no more kids. Okay. Sarah was double that and then some. And she laughed within herself. After I have grown old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord being awesome. That means they probably weren't even having sex. You notice, she, she, she didn't just talk about just having, it's like, I'm, look, I'm 90. I don't think things are working down there. You know, I just, I, I, I don't know if that's going to work. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh saying, shall I bear you, shall I bear a, a child since I'm old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life. And Sarah shall have a son. 
I want you to understand something. The, the, the faith battle is a battle for what you believe. This is why I'm very, very careful of what I listen to, what I hear, what I entertain, because I realize that everything that you allow into your heart is a seed sown to get you to believe something. People of God, take great inventory as to what you allow into your life. You know, I was thinking about this today as I was getting ready, not, not even just for this message, but I, I began to appreciate my upbringing a little bit. And I began to think about my, that I didn't grow up with cousins and brothers and uncles and fathers and people in my life saying certain things to me as a young man that I know a lot of young men here. Like, I remember some people that I know of, you know, they would be told by their relatives, yo, listen, I know you're getting married, but sometimes you might have to have something on the side. Like, love your wife, but you're a man. You're a man. You're human, you know, like, and it sounds right, right? Yeah, I am a man. I am human, right? And I, I began to appreciate, I never heard those words before. I never had an older brother that, I have an older brother, but he never shared those kind of words with me. An uncle, cousins, a father, never, never saw that in my life. I knew that it existed. Never, I never had that modeled. And so, and I don't, Again, I'm not taking any credit for any of this. I give God glory for it. But I thank God. I realize that when you don't grow up with a certain environment, you have an advantage to live a certain way. And yet I begin to have compassion for some people who have a different upbringing. A different upbringing where they're told different things. As a 13-year-old, as a 14-year-old, this is normal. This is okay. Believe this. Except this, this is normal. And when I realize you can have a certain exposure to things and it begins to inform beliefs in you. What's happening? Your faith is at stake. Trying to, sh trying to shape what you believe. So whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with, it's not just about that situation. It's about what do you believe? Maybe you're desiring to be in a relationship with someone and you're in your 30s. Maybe you're in your 40s. I don't know whatever age you are. And then society tells you you're running out of time. What do you believe? Your faith is what is at stake here. So number one, again, understand that the fight is about your faith. Number two, understand your fight isn't to get the victory, it's to guard it. Understand your fight isn't to get the victory, it's to guard it. Whenever you are in a battle, you must see yourself as already have won the battle. You have, if you don't see it that way, you lost. 
So what I'm doing is I'm enforcing the victory that God has given me. When you think about that, you fight with the understanding that I'm not fighting for the victory, I'm fighting to guard it. Because you have an enemy, you have spiritual warfare that wants to take what God has given you, you must guard it with that understanding. First John 5, look at verse 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him, who begot, also loves him, who is begotten of him. Verse 4. For whatever is born of God, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Who's born of God today? So I want you to understand what was said of you. Because you're born of God, you have already overcome the world. Think about that. Because you're born of God, you have already overcome the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. So because you are someone who believes in the Son of God, because you are someone who has already put your faith in Jesus. The Bible says that you have already overcome the world. Now the world is a system that wants to shape you and bring you into a place of wrong thinking, wrong feeling, wrong doing. The world is a system that pressures you to conform to its standards, pressures you to conform into the way that, that the world believes you should live. And the Bible says something very plain. You have already overcome that. Amen. So when you fight, you're fighting from a position of victory. Standing on what God has already revealed to you. You are an overcomer. You have already. So you're in a battle. You're dealing with great temptation. A season of temptation that's really seeming to overwhelm you. What do you do? You remember scriptures like this, and you say, wait a minute. The Bible says whoever believes that Jesus is the Son of God has already overcome the world. Well, I'm standing on this truth that I have overcome the world. I've overcome everything that's in this world. Everything that's in this world that wants to break me down, that wants to push me into a direction I shouldn't go into, that wants to shape my mind, that wants to strip me of my dignity. I've already overcome, and I'm going to guard that victory. Look at this, Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Stand fast. How should you stand? That means continuously. That means continuously. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty by which Christ has made us free, and do not be entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Stand fast. And in this particular uh, book, the issue is that people were going back to legalism. They were going back to traditions. They were saying that we need to do different things. We can't just believe in the blood of Jesus. We need to be like the Jews. We need to do and keep the traditions that they have kept. 
And Paul is saying, listen, you don't need to go back to those things. Stand fast in the liberty. And yes, there are religious spirits that will even try to weigh in on you and tell you, you need to do this, you need to do that. And it sounds good, but it's bringing you into bondage. You need to stand fast. That's also a battle. A battle is not only just in the fleshly things that we see. Drugs and sex and all that stuff. That's not. Sometimes there are religious battles that tell you you're not good enough. You need to pray more. You need to do this. You need to do this. You need to do this. And it's constantly beating at your mind, beating at your soul, making you feel like, man, I'm just not worthy of God's love. You need to stand fast in the liberty that God has brought you in. You need to realize that God has made you free and that there's nothing you can do to be more worthy of his love than what Jesus already has done. Stand fast in that. Stand consistent in that. Jesus did it all. I don't have to do anything to be worthy of his best. He is the best of God. He was already offered up for me. He gave himself for me. That settles it. When you stand fast in your liberty and you make that a a, a continual confession of what God has done for you, you're standing in liberty, in victory. You're guarding against it. You're not trying to obtain it. You already have overcome in the name of Jesus. And so I want you to know every addiction that you may see yourself, in, yourself having, you are, you're free from that right now. Every wrong mindset, mind thinking, you're free from that. Every kind of belief system that has brought you into despair, you're free from that. And I want you to guard against it. Guard against it by quoting the scriptures, by speaking it out loud, by declaring, Jesus has set me free. Come on, say that loud. Jesus has set me free. Come on, the Bible says when the sun sets free, you're free today. You're free today. You're free from the spirit of lust. You're free from the spirit of fear. You're free from envy. You're free from religiosity that condemns you. You're free from feeling yoked to people that you shouldn't be yoked to. You're free from soul ties. You're free in the name of Jesus. You're not trying to be free. You are free. You're not trying to obtain something you've already obtained. You are one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God. Therefore, you've already overcome the world. You're free today. Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter 6, 13. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand. That you may be able to what? That you may be able to what? In the evil day. That means there is an evil day. What is an evil day? A day where evil presents itself to you. A day where you are attacked. A day where you are told something that tries to rattle your belief system a day where someone says something to break you down someone does something that hurts you that betrays you it says that you may be able to withstand in the evil day god expects you to withstand and it's something the lord put in my spirit i shared it earlier this week that the reason why we're called to stand is because god never intended for us to run You'll see throughout the scriptures, the Bible says, stand fast, withstand, having done all, stand. You'll never see God telling you to retreat. You'll never, tell, you'll never see him telling you to run. God expects you to stand because he's never expected you to run. 
Why shouldn't you run? Because you are already overcomers. You've already won the battle. There's no reason to run when you've already won. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Have you ever felt you've done all? Okay, good. If you felt that you've done all, what should you do now? Stand. Lord, I followed your direction here. I've obeyed you here. I've been consistent here. I've done this. What else do I need to do? Stand. 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 You don't need to do anything else but stand. I want to share a couple of things with you that you should stand on. Number one, stand on the written word of God. Stand on the written word of God. Jesus was tempted, Matthew 4, verse 1 to 4. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterward he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command that these stones become bread. But he answered and said, It is written. It is what? What does that tell me? God expects you to know what is written, not what has just been said, what you've heard, what your mama told you, a song you like. No, you need to know what is written. I want to really be clear about that. You need to know what is written. Jesus knew what was written. He didn't just go by oral tradition. He knew what was written. And he said, it's been written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Now, remember, this is Jesus being tempted in the temple, excuse me, in in the wilderness. He's about to start his ministry. And he's being tempted now for 40 days and 40 nights. 40 days and 40 nights of constant temptation. I always laugh at this because some people cannot last one night. Can't last one day. Lord, I tried. Lord, I resisted once, and then then he came again. So what was I supposed to do? Jesus resisted for 40 days and 40 nights. And this was a temptation that was constantly occurring, constantly occurring. If you're the, and he's fasting. And that's, that's, that's where temptation hits you the most. When you are deprived of something. You're deprived of love. You're deprived of money. You're deprived of a social network that you desperately want. You're deprived of something. That's the doorway of temptation. Jesus was hungry. That's what it says. He was really hungry. Enemy said, oh, you know what? We can do something about that. You're hungry? Why don't you turn these stones into bread? Show that you're the son of God. And what did he do? He spoke what was written. Pastor, how do I overcome this? Let me ask you a question. Are you speaking what has been written? Or are you just thinking about it? Are you literally opening your mouth and saying these words? It is written. It is written. But what's written? 
<laughs> I, was, I say this in jest, but I mean it. Go to Google.com and speak or search for what you need to know. If you're not in the habit of reading the Bible, start there. But I would encourage you, get into the word of God for yourself and know what is written. It is that that will cause you to overcome. It is that that will cause you to win that battle. If you know what is written, you cannot be duped. The reason why people are duped is because they forgot or they don't know what is written. Jesus knew what was written. So when the enemy came to him and said, hey, why don't you turn these stones into bread? He said, it's written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He didn't just say this once. This was a continual temptation. 40 days and 40 nights, constantly hearing the same temptation. What was Jesus saying constantly? He was saying what was written. Look at verse 7. Because this, this Jesus responding to him again. It is written, you shall not tempt the Lord, your God. This was another temptation that was being brought to Jesus. Why don't you throw yourself off this cliff? Show yourself that you're the son of God. Won't the angels catch you? Isn't that what it said? Isn't that what it, no, because this is another temptation. When Satan starts quoting the word. Because he knows what's written too. And he'll start quoting the word. Didn't the Bible say? Don't be, don't be overly righteous. You guys don't know that scripture. There's a scripture that says that. Don't be overly righteous. Oh, well, the Bible said don't be overly righteous. So this is a time for me not to be overly righteous. Yeah, Satan knows the word too. And he will quote it back to you. Oh, didn't the Bible say this? And didn't the Bible say that? Jesus had one more for him. Yeah, it's also written. Don't tempt the Lord your God. He came at him again. Jesus responded to him. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. Now it's time to start rebuking. There's a time to start speaking what is written. And then there's a time to start rebuking. And I said this, I think, a week ago or two weeks ago. Rebuke is not just saying, I rebuke. It's actually rebuking. It's actually cursing him. It's actually saying who he is. Yeah. It's actually talking to him and saying, you are a loser. And you have no place in my life. What I have, you will never get. Rebuking him. Jesus, after 40 days and 40 nights speaking what is written, what did he do after that? He says, okay, let me speak the word, but I'm also start speaking to you. And I'm going to tell you who you are. You are a defeated foe. And you have no place in me. And I will not listen to you away from me. And what happened? The Bible says that he left them. The reason why temptations don't leave is because we're not speaking what's written. And we're not rebuking. So that's why it stays present. If you want temptation to leave, open up your mouth wide as you can. And start speaking the word. Speak what has been written and start rebuking. And you'll see the same results. Why? Because the battle is for what you believe. The battle is for your faith. I declare you're going to win in this season in Jesus' name. Glory to God. Stand on what is written. Number two, stand on what or, or stand on God's love for you. Stand 
on God's love for you. I'm going to close on this because I think this is really interesting here. Romans chapter 8, 37 to 39. It says, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What are we? More than conquerors. Right? Pastor Jacques shared that really well last week. We're more than conquerors. Those, you probably heard me teach this before, that word conquerors is a Greek word, nikaios, where you get the word Nike. If you have Nikes on your feet, that's what, that, that's what it means. Conqueror, Nike, nikeo. More than conqueror is hupa nikeo, more than a conqueror. That's what you are. Thank you, God. For I am persuaded. This is the thing I want you to be persuaded of. I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. But I want you to go back to 37. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So we being more than conquerors is attached to God's love for us. God loves you so much that he says, I'm going to make you something. I'm going to make you more than a conqueror. Think about that. I love you so much. I'm not going to just keep all the power for myself and be God. No, no, no. I'm going to give you what I have. Because I love you so much, I'm going to make you more than a conqueror. And then he says, I'm persuaded that none of these things that we just read, death, life, angels, principalities, any of those things that you could ever face will ever separate you from the love of God. Remember, it was through his love that made you more than a conqueror. So even in all these things, you remain more than a conqueror because you remain in God's love. So even when it feels like you're losing, in fact, you're not. Even when you feel like you're drowning, in fact, you're still more than a conqueror. Why? Because God's love is ever-present. His love will never leave you. So what do you do? You stand on God's love. When I'm going through a difficulty, one of the first things I remind myself of is that I'm loved by God. I'll start off by saying, God thank you that you love me trust me that's a freeing thing because one of the first things we start doubting is god do you love me god where are you god how come this is happening god when is this going to change god i can't take this anymore i'm not saying none of those things are ever appropriate to state but i want you to really have this in your mind god i thank you that you love me Father, I thank you that I'm the apple of your eye. I thank you that you're so in love with me. I don't care if you're in a hospital bed and things are really tough. Lord, right in this hospital bed, you love me. I don't care if you're going through a divorce. I don't care if you're going through a, a, a really serious situation. Right now, Lord, you're in love with me. Because I'm persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities, nothing that I can ever face in this world will ever separate me from your love. So in this situation, I'm loved by you. Father, I thank you that I'm loved. Come on, get that revelation in your heart that you're loved by God today. 
And if you know that you're loved by God, you'll tap into the power that comes from that love. And that power is that he has made you more than a conqueror. So, Lord, in your love, I see victory. In your love, I see power. In your love, this situation will change. Because you love me, you won't leave me. Because you love me, you won't allow me to go through this. Lord, your love is what I'm standing on. God's love for you makes you more than a conqueror today. So I want you to know right now, you're loved by God. His love will never leave you. You can never be separated from it. No one could ever come in between that love. No one could ever hinder that love. Therefore, no one could ever affect your status as being more than a conqueror. This is your winning season in the name of Jesus. You will win because you're loved by God. Somebody say fights. You will win because you're loved by God. Thank you, Jesus. And like I said before, You've already won the biggest battle by believing in Jesus, by putting your faith in the Son of God. The Bible declares that you've already become more than a conqueror. You've already overcome the world. And it's only because you believe in Jesus being the Son of God. That faith has changed who you are forever. I've already conquered eternal death. In Jesus. I've already conquered my biggest problem, which was hell. I've already conquered that. So what else could come between me and God? Nothing. I've already conquered it in Christ. I'm more than a conqueror through him who loved me. I can't lose in the name of the Lord. I won't lose. How many winners we have in here today? The fight is for your faith. The fight is for your legacy. It's for your children. It's bigger than who? It's, it's bigger than you. It's not just about you. It's not just about what you're facing. It's not just about what you're going through. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. So fight, people of God. I want you to let you know God requires you to fight the good fight of faith. And if you would fight, you will win. It's a guaranteed win in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, that you've given us the word. You've given us your son. You've given us your angels. You've given us the Holy Spirit. You've given us everything that we could ever need. We will win in Jesus' name. This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, visit us at www.nylifechurch.com.